G'day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ and I'm your host. Uh, now, before we get into this week's episode, which is a um, follow-on of all of our preparation stuff, um, I just want to let people know that at this stage, our backyard chicken course is unlikely to be running um, uh, in August, which is next week we're planning it, so uh, it won't be running at this stage. I just have too many things on at the farm to 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 run it at this stage. So the next time it's going to be open for people to jump on board with will be in November at this stage. I'll let you know, stay tuned, and I'll let you know if that changes. But November is looking like our next backyard chicken keeping course. Uh, but hopefully before the backyard chick chicken keeping course, uh, we will be having um, our three-day sustainability challenge. So that's something exciting to, to look at. Now, uh, for this episode, I'm also recording for YouTube as well. Uh, so if you like to look at YouTube rather than listen on a podcast, that option's available. Uh, but getting into this week's one, which this week's one may not go as long. Um, I uh, am not, I, I'm not a gardener. I'm definitely a livestock manager. And a lot of people that I talk to in farming circles will um, comment that, you know, we have to be both and we do have to be both. And I certainly have veggie gardens and I certainly have fruit trees and I certainly manage the health of my soil and my grasses and trees uh, in the same way that any other farmer does. However, <laughs> it's not an um, automatic skill for me. Um, being a uh, fruit or nut grower or a veggie garden grower is something that I have had to learn and had to work hard at. Uh, managing livestock is something that I've always found really easy and I acquire the skills as much from doing as from reading or learning about. Uh, with my veggie garden and fruit and nut tree growing, I definitely have to hit the, the textbooks on that one. Uh, but also too, it's it's something that I just, I don't think I have a natural skill for it. Uh, that being said, without a natural skill, I'm still doing okay. So if you're not a natural gardener either, don't let that stop you from doing it. Um, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years in particular uh, because I've really hit it pretty hard over the last couple of years. Uh, and certainly I'm pretty proud of my efforts of growing my veggie garden and my fruit trees at this point. So Getting into this week's episode. Oh, now, before we do, sorry, um, uh, one thing I will do, and if you're watching on YouTube, you will be able to see it. Uh, don't forget to go to www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows and download your backyard chicken keeping must know uh, checklist. Uh, it's got seven things that you really need to know about before you consider having backyard chickens. Uh, so that you can see that on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, if you're listening on podcast, in the in the show notes and you can go and click on that and go straight along to that site and download your very much free no obligations free uh, backyard chicken keeping course checklist so <clears throat> into today's episode we are still in preparation month and one of the things that you if you are getting into um, uh, sustainable living one of the things that you really need to be able to do is to grow your own fruit and nut trees now, fruit trees can come in all forms. They can be bushes, like my blueberry bushes, or raspberry canes, or they can be your good old-fashioned apple tree. Uh, nut trees, well, there's, there's in-ground nuts and above-ground nuts. Uh, so peanuts are an in-ground nut, and I have no experience, zero experience growing them. Love peanuts. 
but zero experience growing them. Uh, they're just not right for our climate here because we have very, very cold winters. I believe they're like a, a warmer environment. Uh, but we do have lots of other fruit and nut trees here. Uh, the nut trees that grow here in particular are hazelnuts, and I absolutely love hazelnuts. Roasted hazelnuts turned into homemade Nutella is like the bomb. If you haven't tried it, definitely find yourself a hazelnut tree. Uh, they're actually pretty easy to roast hazelnuts. It's the hardest bit's getting them out of the husk. Uh, but roasting hazelnuts in the oven makes the house smell divine. And uh, according to Master OJ, um, who is the Nutella fiend in our house, according to him, my homemade Nutella shits all over shop-bought Nutella. So just going to put that out there. Anyway, so one of the first things that you need to think about when it comes to fruit and nut trees is the pruning. Now, it's very hard for me to describe what you need to do, but essentially pruning is done to remove um, excess new growth that isn't needed and that isn't going to benefit the tree when it comes to growing uh, its best fruit crop. Uh, that having been said, I still Google every single time I go out to prune a tree, I Google what I need to do. That you need to be able to cut the, the branches that you're cutting on a particular angle and that stops uh, water sitting on the end of it and it will allow the water to run off, which avoids uh, certain kinds of rots that can happen to the fruit and nut trees. Also, too, the main aim is that you want to have as much sunlight getting into the tree while still allowing it to have a really good level of growth. And that can sometimes mean trimming and pruning some of those branches that are inside that are not necessarily ones that are going to produce fruit. And they're just going to clog it up, essentially. They're going to clog the tree up. And you want a good airflow. You want good sunlight coming in. You, you want the, the tree to be able to sprout in different directions and not have branches crossing over and rubbing up against each other. So as I said, I always Google. If I'm going out to prune the apple trees, I will Google best method of pruning an apple tree and then go through and literally <clears throat> go out there and cut the apple tree exactly as as the chart says um, it produces a healthier tree but it also produces a better crop now something that uh, my mum has always said to me is that if you do a year of heavy pruning so if there's a year that you really have to cut back quite hard on a tree because it's just got a bit scraggly and a bit overgrown just accept the fact that the next year it may not be your bumper crop <laughs> But likely the next year after that will be your bumper crop and that is when you will get your most and best fruit off the tree is when it has that really strong foundation to grow from. Um, when you do that, one of the things that you, as you're cutting it back, the next thing that you need to think about is how to best support the tree. Now, you know, it'd be lovely to say that, you know, trees can naturally support themselves and certainly a lot of them can. The hazelnut trees that I've used uh, to harvest from uh, very tall trees, very capable of holding themselves up. There's no issues at all. But when a tree is very young, if it has very heavy fruit on it, it's not going to be able to handle it. It's going to start to sag and droop and you can end up with um, branches cracking and splitting because they can't handle or sustain the weight. So one of the things that you can do as the tree is maturing and growing is to look at trellising the tree. And that is putting uh, structures in place to help the tree stay upright and also to support the branches that may have fruit or nuts on them that are too heavy and start to bow down. Um, now, 
probably the best way of doing it, depending if you're looking at it long term, the best long term health for the tree, it's probably best not to allow the branches to get that heavy with fruit. And one way to do that is to actually nip some of the buds off the end of the branches so that you control the number of fruit you get. Now, that might be a bugger because you end up with less fruit that year off the tree. But if you give the tree a really good foundation to start with, that tree's going to keep going for years. So, you know, sometimes you have to cut your losses and go, well, I'm not going to get as many fruit off the tree this year. But in five years' time, that tree's going to be super healthy, super strong, and I'll be getting bumper crops every year. Um, so trellising to help maintain the uprightness of the tree and help the branches so that we don't end up with branches that are swaying and sagging and bowing um, because you don't want that. One of the other things that I look at doing is um, because we have pests in Australia and I'm in the US and the UK and in Europe and Canada, I know you all have pests as well, uh, we have to sometimes put netting over our fruit trees um, to prevent things like cockatoos, which are lovely birds that we have here native to Australia, uh, who will go in and decimate your fruit trees. Um, seriously, they will go nuts. Uh, the other issue for us here is possums. Uh, which I think in the States you probably have more of an issue with raccoons, uh, but possums will go and eat the fruit, especially when it's just about ripe. <laughs> That's when they go in and sweep and go, yeah, I'll have some of that. So sometimes what I do when I'm looking at trellising is I look at putting a uh, structure that will go over the top of the tree, higher than the tree, so that it's not pushing down on the top of the tree, um, with polypipe. And it's just literally two strands of polypipe crossed over over the top and joined at that crossover point and then I can throw netting over the entire tree to prevent uh, pests getting in. Now if your netting's nice and big still the bees can still get in to do all their lovely pollination work uh, but it, it just pre prevents all those nasty little bastards getting in and eating your fruit before you get to it. Um, I speak from experience when I say I have lost two years worth of blueberry crop. I have a beautiful blueberry bush that lives in a pot and um, I've never had to prune it because the cockatoos have got two years running. And then one of the goats got in. I think the goat got a bit of it as well. Um, so I've never had, um, uh, well, I've never had the opportunity to get any fruit off it. Uh, but I have always left it just a fraction too late to put the netting over. So this year I'm actually making a metal structure to go over it uh, to stop anything getting near it. Uh, so that I know that I'm going to get some blueberries. I love blueberries. I really want my blueberry bush to grow. Um, I love. I buy them off the lady up the road because she has a blueberry farm, but I'd really like to grow my own. Uh, so that leads into the whole topic of pest control with our netting. So from netting, that's going to stop your big pests. So that's going to stop your cockatoos, your possums and things like that. Um, it, it will also stop... Um, if it's strong netting, goats and kangaroos for us and rabbits and things like that getting in and trying to eat the, the tree as well. Uh, but there's also other pests you have to consider. And at the small farm, we had a terrible, terrible problem with, um, and I'm trying to, uh, the name fails me now that I've gone to think of it, um, the worm, the fly and moth worm that gets into um, apples. We had such a horrible problem with it because when trees are left, if they are not managed to maintain the soil underneath them, um, the rotting fruit falls onto the ground. That will encourage pests to come. 
because they have a, an abundance of food supply. Now, when we moved to the small farm, one of the first things I did was put the chicken run around the base of all my fruit trees. And I did that for a reason, because the chickens are in there eating and um, clearing up any rotten or falling fruit. That meant that they were also eating the pests that were in there, <laughs> that were, you know, um, nesting and, and forming their little larva, larvae, larvae, in the fallen fruit. And the, chicken, the chickens were wiping out that next layer of pests that were coming through, but I still had to go through and put tape on the trees and I had to put swinging baskets hanging off there that had um, laundry liquid in on top of water so that when the pests would crawl in, they would fall underneath the laundry liquid and, and drown in the water. Um, there are wasps that you can get for the um, the fruit moths, the, the, most of the pests. There's wasps you can get and you can actually buy like a sheet of baby wasps, attach it to the tree and they will go out there and try and decimate all of the moths uh, because the moths are their food. And, you know, from those of you that have a background in permaculture, you know the old saying, it's not that you've got too many pests, you just don't have enough predators. So the best thing you can do around a fruit tree is make sure that you have the right kind of predator around that tree to decimate any pests that you have coming in. So if you uh, live in an area where you have a lot of snails, get yourself some ducks, put some ducks in underneath. Believe me, they will annihilate the snails. They love them. That's like their favourite food. Uh, chickens too. Chickens will eat the snails, but chickens are really good with things like moths, worms, grubs, things like that. They will go in and just kill them. So that's, that's a great way to get rid of your pest control. Um, if you have bigger pests like cockatoos and kangaroos and rabbits and things like that, well, then you, you're going to have to put something in that's a structure that's going to stop them getting in. Um, I'm not going to go into any more detail with the pest control because, honestly, um, you just you need to work out what pests you've got for what trees because not all tr fruit trees have the same pests. So the next thing that you want to be looking at is fertilising your trees. Now. Um, Obviously, the best time to do that is heading into that spring growth. So about now is when we start looking at fertilising our trees. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that the soil at the base of the tree is giving all the nutrients deep down into the roots that the trees need. Um, I can remember back in the day, they used to have this spray stuff that you had that you could spray onto the leaves of your tree to make it more healthy. But uh, learning what I've learned over the last couple of years is that the real key um, ingredient for healthy plant life is healthy soil. So you need the nutrients going into the soil uh, so that it can be absorbed into the root system because that's the feeding system for the tree. So when, when you have nutrients going in through those roots, they're going to push out the growth and make those lovely big branches and healthy leaves, which are soak up all the sun and rain. And they're also going to push that nutrients out into forming buds and those buds are what's going to form your fruit or your nuts so that the main thing is keeping that soil really healthy now you can test for soil we talked about that a couple of weeks ago you can test your soil to see what kind of nutrient levels you're at and see if your um what they call it pnk levels are correct which is your potassium nitrogen and phosphorus phosphorus yeah um especially how long it's been since i've done any sciencey chemically stuff um but you can test for that to make sure that it's okay. And if it's not, there's certain types of things that you can add to it. But your basic manure, uh, blood and bone um, is another good one because it has lots of healthy stuff in it. 
If you've got a worm farm or you're interested in having a worm farm, I can vouch for the fact that worm droppings, so the, I think they call them um, casings, the worm droppings that um, that come out of your worm farms, mixed with some water and watered in around the base of your fruit trees or around any plants really, um, are hugely beneficial. They have so much nutrients in them. So uh, a good pile of compost around the outside so that when it rains, it can push that compost into the soil and make that healthy. There's lots of things you can do. You can use chemical um, uh, chemical um, nutrients onto your trees if they're really, really poor. But I would use that as an option of last resort only if you have no other uh, method of getting uh, nutrients into your tree. Certainly I would go the organic versions first so uh, blood and bone, sea sol, which is a seaweed-based one, your worm casings, um, things like that. If if they fail or if your soil is incredibly poor and you really need a quick boost as soon as possible, then you can go into Bunnings or wherever your hardware shop is and you can get synthetic uh, versions of those ones. Like I say, that would be last resort for me. So soil health is vital, not just in in what's in it, nutrients that's in it, but you also need to consider um, uh, whether or not it's retaining the right amount of moisture. So if if there's a lot of water runoff and it's not taking in water very well, then you might try and do things to try and maintain a bit more water around the base of the tree. Now, that being said, you don't want it around the actual um, tree uh, um, stalk, stem, root, base. You don't want it up against that. Um, if it's up against that, if you've got too much stuff pushed up around the edge of it, you'll end up with ring rot around your um, around your tree. Oh, God, my brain's failing me today. Around the base of your tree, you'll end up with ring rot around it where it it's too damp, too moist, and there's that moist word, um, and it causes too much rot into the tree. So you don't want that. So uh, one good system that we've used where we haven't been able to kind of keep the nutrients around the base of the tree is uh, to mix um, our compost or manure bases with some straw and we pack the straw around the, the tree but leaving a little bit of a room around the actual base of the tree just so that it doesn't, it's not up against, it's not pushing up against it. Uh, but that helps keep that moisture in, it keeps it, you know, growing really healthy but without too much grief. Now, um, like I say, you can go down your chemical routes, but I would just be looking at your soil as well and seeing, is it too sandy? Is it too clay? What you want is that lovely dark black loamy kind of soil where it'll retain a little bit of water. You can pour some moisture onto it and, and it won't run straight through like through sand. Um, but you also don't want it so that it's so clumpy and so clay that the poorer roots of the tree just can't grow. That's not ideal at all. Now, We've actually, because we moved to the big farm, you know, after somebody had planted trees, we've got um, some fruit trees that we are going to have to move. They are in a watercourse. I know, I don't know what anybody's fucking thinking, planting trees in a watercourse, but they're in a watercourse as such. And so the soil around there is so clay and so damp all the time. And I have a lovely little hill off to the side of the dam that's within, you know, distance to be able to um, water, but it's not in a situation where it's going to um, uh, get too boggy around the base. So I need to move the trees over to there. Now, some trees transplant really well, some don't. We'll see how we go. Uh, but that's that's on the cards uh, for next winter because I don't have time to do I didn't have time to do it this winter. All right. So 
that's almost it for fruit trees and nuts now like I said it was going to be a short one this one because I am not the superstar when it comes to fruit and nut trees that being said I love having the idea of having fruit and nut trees and what I would really like you to do is to send me a message and let me know what fruit and nut trees are the ones that you are most interested in growing on your farm um and, and tell me what you are growing, what you'd like to grow. If you're on an urban block, what kind of fruit trees do you think you could grow? I mean, there's so many different varieties now. There's, um, if you go into Bunnings for everybody overseas out of Australia is our local hardware store and Bunnings have um, a pretty wide range of, of fruit trees, but there's lots of local nurseries that you can get into as well. And you can now get trees uh, that grow several different fruit on the one tree so that you don't have to take up a huge amount of space and you have these lovely little fruit trees that are just awesome because you're getting you know you might get a lime and a lemon on the same tree you might get a pear and a peach on the same tree and I think they call them fruit salad trees they're really cool but if you're in a very very condensed space look at what you can grow in a pot uh, like I say I've got my blueberries in pots blueberries love being potted they don't like being out in the soil every time I've tried to put, plant one out into the veg garden it never works um, raspberry canes will go like gangbusters in most locations. Um, so certainly you can grow that in a pot too if you don't want it taking over the whole backyard. Um, but those little fruit salad trees, they'd be awesome. Uh, and you can also grow apple trees um, so that they are like trellis up the side of your fence, really contained so they're not growing super, super tall where some suburban areas you may not be allowed to grow a tall tree um, and instead grow them out and across a trellis. And still get the same amount of fruit off them they, and they look gorgeous when people do it it's such a skill but it, it would honestly look really pretty in a backyard um so hit me up tell me what you're going to grow um and you know oh i haven't one thing i didn't touch on is that there are certain times of the year to plant fruit trees and now is not the time if you don't already have the fruit tree in you probably missed that boat um but uh, let me know next year what your plans are. You know, what are you going to put in a pot? What you're going to grow in the backyard? What have you got going? I'd love to hear. Anyway, as I said, at this stage, the uh, backyard chicken keeping course is off for next week. I've just got too much on my uh, on my plate. Um, I am going to do a special extra podcast. I have a little rant that I want to have, and I didn't want to dig into my time with our preparation month. Uh, but there will be a special bonus uh, podcast coming out um, uh, that hopefully you'll see if you if you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe and then you'll get notified when that one comes out because that won't be coming out on a Monday. Uh, but otherwise, I hope you all have an awesome week and uh, next week I am talking about a subject which will take a little bit longer to discuss and that is my gorgeous bees. Um, I've been a beekeeper now for four years five years five years um and i love my girls they're awesome so i can talk for a long time about those so it definitely won't be a short one next week anyway until then i will see you all have a great week and uh go out and play around in your garden and grow something bye everyone <laughs>